You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. I'm health editor Dallas Bastian, and I'm joined by Dr. Jacqueline Elliott from the University of Adelaide to discuss her research project that aims to find ways for the most vulnerable people in society to be able to speak with healthcare professionals about advanced care planning. Thank you for joining me, Jacqueline. Nice to talk with you today. Your research will focus on finding out what the, the most vulnerable people in society have to say about death and dying. Why is it important that vulnerable groups are front and centre in, in research about advanced care planning? Okay. Well, all Australians have the right to direct the care that they um, receive at the end of life. Um, we know that within the majority population that only about one in five doctors are able to the preferences of their patients for end-of-life care. Now, when we bring in people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds or um, those who identify as uh, Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander peoples and those who are perhaps particularly unwell, there are other barriers between those uh, kinds of conversations occurring and uh, thus they're even more less likely to be uh, able to direct the care that they want at the end of life. Whose opinion will you be seeking out apart from those mentions there? What, what are some of the other vulnerable groups you'd like to hear from? So in our research, we've chosen um, uh, particular uh, groups, if you like. Um, certainly a main feature of our research is um, speaking with our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities to find out what it is that uh, would need to be put in place to enable them to have a voice, um, to be able to uh, direct uh, and play a part in the care uh, that they receive um, so that uh, culturally appropriate uh, end-of-life care is provided. At the moment, we know that there are all sorts of barriers um, for uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, um, even though we know that they experience higher rates of chronic and progressive disease and disease-related mortality than non-Indigenous Australians. Um, we did a, a scoping study uh, uh, late last year and we found out uh, from speaking with some of the, the carers for uh, our Indigenous communities that there are various barriers including um, a lack of appropriate uh, language resources um, as well as language and cultural barriers that make these conversations difficult to happen um, even though everyone recognises how important it is that they do. In addition to uh, talking with uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, we'll also be talking from people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Now, about 25-26% uh, of Australians were born overseas, um, and a lot of those uh, migrants from non-English speaking countries are uh, um, aged more than 50 or so years. So they're getting to a time of life where health issues can be rather more pressing. Um, and it's important that they're able to uh, have those kinds of conversations about what sorts of care they might like. Again, um, there are particular culturally specific beliefs um, that might lower the frequency within which those kinds of conversations take place. So we're talking here about advanced care planning, planning for the kind of care that you might want um, towards the end of life. Um, 
we know that uh, in Western cultures, or in, I should say in dominant Australian culture, the kind of culture that writes our policies and practices, there's an assumption that the, the individual patient is the person who's going to be having the most to say in directing that care. Now we know that in um, particular cultures, that that's not always the case. Sometimes um, cultures prefer a family-based decision to guide end-of-life of care. Sometimes there may be an assumption that uh, talking about death, um, telling the truth, uh, truth-telling about a, a poor prognosis may actually be harmful or disrespectful to the patient. And so we want to... We, it's incumbent on us, on clinicians, on policymakers, to find the right way to engage with persons from those communities to find out how they'd like those kind of conversations to occur. So we've identified um, three different cultures from um, culturally and linguistically diverse um, groups. Um, we've chosen to focus on uh, three different groups that exemplify particular issues that might arise. So we've got uh, people from an older and newer migrant group. So, for example, we'll be speaking with people from the Italian community who, of course, have been um, uh, a strong part of Australian culture for many years. They've, they've been, um, I think there was a big wave of migration from Italian communities in the 50s and 60s. So they have quite well developed um, social structures around providing care uh, towards the end of life. We'll also be talking with uh, people from Vietnamese um, backgrounds um, who came in a later wave of immigration and so have less well-developed um, structures to support them at this time. And finally, we'll be talking to people from Bhutanese backgrounds who are a very new cultural group arriving here in Australia. And so we think by looking across these particular groups, um, we're capturing important um, different stages of life, different stages of um, uh, engagement in wider Australian culture. And we're hopeful that that'll enable us to say more general and uh, make more general observations about some of the challenges that, that might face um, people from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Our final group, we've got a big project here. <laughs> Our final group of people that we'll be talking to is uh, those from uh, um, particular uh, disease groups, if you like, um, including those with Alzheimer's disease, cancer and chronic airways disease who face particular challenges in this space. So, for example, we know that people with um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease um, often have ups and downs. Um, throughout their journey. Sometimes there's a crisis and it's reversible. They're back on track um, and feeling well again. Um, and it means it's sometimes difficult to identify when should we be talking about end-of-life care. There's also a lack of consensus about who should be doing these conversations, what should they be focused on, when should they happen and where. So it means that often these kinds of advanced care planning conversations with uh, patients with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease are uncommon. On the other hand, um, we have uh, cancer, which is increasingly recognised as a chronic disease because we're getting better at uh, treating it. So we have more long-term survivors who, who might be living with uh, cancer for a long time. This means we need longer-term treatment, management and care, but 
advanced care planning is poorly integrated into routine provision of care. Um, and of course, we know that there may be concerns about having conversations that might perhaps take away a patient's hope. Um, and, and this means that such conversations are often quite delayed until late in the illness uh, progression and, and sometimes aren't always particularly helpful because the moment has passed to be able to have meaningful conversations about um, the care that a, a patient and family might prefer at that time. And of course, um, patients in early stages of dementia, when we turn to the Alzheimer's disease, um, people are diagnosed with that particular um, diagnosis and their families. Well, in the early stages of dementia, um, patients often have capacity and a desire to make decisions about, about the treatment that they want. But it's difficult to know when in a disease trajectory that capacity might slip away. And so again, it's difficult of knowing exactly when to initiate those conversations. So we've identified a number of barriers to providing um, people, regardless of their background, all Australians with the opportunity to have choice and dignity in their care at the end of life. Um, without perhaps placing an unnecessary burden on the healthcare system, we need to find appropriate ways to engage with these communities. And we've identified um, systemic barriers, um, particular features of um, uh, the community and the medical system that make these conversations difficult. Um, and we want to engage with those communities to find out what is it that they want in this space. Who should we be talking to? How can we make sure that we're having the right conversations with the right people at the right time so that we're not imposing our preferences? And by our, I mean um, typically dominant Anglo-Australian culture. We're not imposing our preferences, our assumptions about the way things should be done within communities that it's not appropriate that we do that. And how would the research be used to, to change the way these conversations take place or, or increase the likelihood that they will occur? Great question. So at the very core of our research is, is community engagement. We will be undertaking um, an extensive community consultation involving um, individuals and communities at all levels of the healthcare journey. So we'll... Uh, be talking with patients, with their families, with community representatives and experts, with medical care providers, um, people working at the coalface um, of interacting with these, these communities to provide care, as well as people engaged in um, creating or refining um, legislation or policy, policy and practice in this space. So uh, as part of that, we will review current policy and practice around advanced care planning and determine whether and what changes is necessary in order to facilitate the inclusion of these potentially vulnerable groups. 
So a particular um, emphasis within our work is to examine existing advanced care legislation um, within Australia uh, and particularly within South Australia to look at how the current legislation is being interpreted and implemented in hospitals and within the vulnerable communities by our patients, families and healthcare workers. And what particularly excites us is our very strong partnership with community, with government, with clinical stakeholders that will make it very likely um, that there will be rapid translation of our research outcomes into policy and practice. So these findings will be making a very real difference. It's not pie in the sky research, it is specifically designed to work with community to make a change. Thank you for your time, Jacqueline. That's okay. It's been a pleasure talking with you.